Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I am your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. Today I'm with uh, actually someone who shares the name of my best friend from college, Christian Lafer. And he is a really cool founder, CEO, uh, 3,000 happy clients with a company called Instant Nonprofit. And having just gone through nonprofit hoop jumping of my own with Living a Better Story, I can tell you I wished and maybe still can work with Christian because we uh, have some hoops to continue to jump through because we didn't find him early enough. So Christian, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Chad. Super excited to be here. Pretty cool. 3,000 clients, 1.6 million 501c3s in the US. Wow, that's a lot of 501c3s and 70,000 new ones every single year. Net assets, $4.3 trillion. Wow, that's a big, that's a big industry. Well, we're going to jump a little bit into your business. Before we do that, I like our audience to get to know you by asking you the question, when you were younger, five, six, seven, eight, you know, before you're in your teenage years, what was your thing? What did you find you were passionate about with some of your first memories? I think I was passionate about anything with wheels. And that probably came from my dad, who was uh, just a savant uh, a Porsche mechanic. He was a German car, uh, foreign car mechanic, but he had a particular uh, affinity for Porsches. And uh, so I grew up on, you know, skateboards, bicycles, jumping things that, you know, my, my mom, uh, thankfully, didn't have to take me to the hospital too often. But I'm sure she she was sure, you know, she was convinced that uh, I'd be I'd be in the ER quite a bit. But I just love to, you know, get in the air and, and have wheels spinning. And, uh, you know, if two wheels of the four could be could be off the ground uh, uh, doing some crazy turn jump, whatever. Uh, I, I was into that. Um, but when my when, when I was about eight, uh, and I actually was riding my bike when this happened, my mom called me inside and sat me down and explained that she had just gotten back from the doctor with my little sister, and uh, no one really understood why she didn't speak at at almost four years of age. She appeared to be you know like all the other kids, but she was developmentally disabled, what we call mentally retarded back then, right in the seventies. And uh, I ended up going to Special Olympics and just. Uh, experiencing things that I didn't know at the time, but were the fabric, the social fabric of nonprofits in our country. And then, you know, fast forward many years later, I went to start a nonprofit for a completely different reason. And 
I, I, I became morally outraged when the IRS was kind of like, haha, kid, uh, good luck. You know, don't worry. Uh, it's going to take a while. Your approval will probably take a year. And I just was morally outraged that anyone who wants to do good would have to go through this Byzantine, you know, crazy process and then uh, wait a year and, and probably run into a bunch of delays or spend thousands of dollars on an attorney or a service only to experience a lot of those same delays. And so I set about fixing that so that people could actualize the greatest thing in themselves, which is bringing change, hope, and, um, and, and a better future to, to all of us. That's very cool. My, my cousin, who's two years younger than me, is, uh, at, and I still think of the same term because that's what we heard when we were kids, right? Mentally retarded. Um, so developmentally disabled in the new terminology. And I remember her, um, I still see her every once in a while if we go back to Wisconsin and she's always got the same smile on her face and she yeah. always, hi, she calls me sad. Hi, sad. Hi, sad. <laughs> and she carries around a pumpkin, or at least that's what she did when she was in her teens and twenties. And she probably still does with some playing cards. And I just remember how happy she is. And I thought, you know what? She's probably closer to God than most people that I know, because she hasn't been filtered. Uh, she doesn't have to have certain filters of the world. And I was like, huh, interesting perspective, you know, that she can be smiling all day and not have to worry about a lot of stuff. Uh, so For sure. It sounds like your sister, uh, your cousin and my sister would get along famously. And, you know, she really taught me to be a better human. And I think that part of me that, uh, that, that people like, and that really I like, uh, whether people like it or not, I think I would like this. And it's my, I have a sort of a childlike enthusiasm about things and a little smirk. And I, I like to go about things in, in a, in a, in the way of a child and, and find, you know, joy and adventure and even like really hard things. And I think my sister taught me that she's, she taught me to be a better human and to be able to live in the present, you know, other people, I had to read Eckhart Tolle and, uh, you know, meditate and, and think about it in order to stop worrying about the past or the future and stay right here. But there is only the now to my sister. And I just think that's so cool. She is the happiest person I know. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, sometimes I think my sister's develop me developmentally disabled, but um, she just went to CU Boulder and I went to CSU. So we won't hold that against her. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Sometimes I'll tell, you know, I'll explain. Yeah, my sister's developmentally disabled. And they're like, haha, that's not very nice. Like, no, really. Yeah, no, really. Oh, that's, that's good, man. I love that. Um, it's interesting because I just talked to someone who went to prison. He was on methamphetamine and he called it being broken. Like he got to the point where he's like, I'm broken. And the only way out of this is either one, take this razor blade and go in the shower and never come out or two, admit I'm broken and ask for help. And he was like, I did that. And I asked God for help. And he goes, you wouldn't believe what happened after that, right? It was like body <laughs> trembles and shakes. And he went in his mind and God was telling him, you got to go do this, 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 make amends here. And now he's amazing. And so if you think of my cousin, your sister, on a scale of being closest to God and, and just being an amazing, happy person, and you think of this guy who's been, he's just an amazing guy. And I was like, and he preaches in his home on weekends to three to eight people. He's a, pa a self-made pastor. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty neat. It's harder for people in suits that have massive levels of success to 
come to those kinds of realizations. So fabulous. Sure. I love this. So tell me, you got that conversation at age four and, and then, uh, and, and, you know, obviously that was a life changer. There's always things that happen along the way that give us a gut punch where you're like, how is that like devastating kind of events? Is there something you're comfortable sharing that, you know, that you faced and then how, how did you make it through? What was, what were your tactics to get through that event? Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty counterintuitive and, and pretty, it's, it used to be hard to share and, and it, it's not at this point because I've got a little perspective on it. Um, about five years ago, just nothing was working. Um, I was trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good, you know, company founder and all of these things and relying on my natural talents. But I was, I was broken. Um, and everything uh, in my life at some point, I think I withdrew from every cosmic bank account. You know, I, I always tried to bet on the come and things are going to be better tomorrow. And I'm going to, I'll do this and I'll do that. And the harder I worked, the more I just augured myself into the ground um, and ended up just with everything that I had held so, so tightly and really, really honestly tried inside the paradigm, inside who I was, honestly tried to keep it all together. And everything fell apart. Everything ended up on fire. My marriage, my relationship with my kids, my business, my body. Uh, I just, you know, nothing worked and it all just kind of went up in flames. And it was in that moment that I had a true, uh, you know, what some people would call a Satori transformation in sort of Zen terminology. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't believe any longer that being born again is an act of, of uh, statement. It is an act of true rebirth from the inside. And I literally walked away from my faith. Um, I walked away from everything that I thought I knew so that I could rediscover it. Now, I didn't know this was what I was doing at the time, but uh, I gave up and I let go of, of everything uh, because I knew that my plotting and scheming was what got me where I ended up. And when I let go of all of that, and every time I had an idea, I'm going to fix this or I'm going to do that, I just had the sense that I had already tried everything that I could and, and it wasn't successful. And so I needed to operate under a completely new paradigm. And I opened up my heart and I just laid it all down. And boy, all of it was given back to me on terms that I am so thrilled to live on ever since. Uh, I show up more gen in, in a more genuine way. I realized I didn't need to know all this doctrine and be sure of all these things because I had gone from like what Alan Watts would call going from being the priest to the mystic. When you experience God, um, it's, an, it's an entirely different affair than studying and reading and things, but not truly getting it inside. And man, I am just so thankful that I had that time because I'm rediscovering faith. I'm rediscovering every day uh, what, what things mean to me with a level of joy and openness and acceptance that I never had in my life, but I gave up all the negative self-talk and the, and the self-abuse. And I think I grew up where, you know, if you fail, then something is wrong with you and you better just drive yourself harder. And that's just not the way. Um, that's not what God created us. You know, he didn't create us to be slaves to those things. And so I'm super thankful to be liberated of all that and to now step into every day and whatever kind of, you know, you know, what storm is coming at you, uh, being able to 
experience love and joy inside all of those things, not just in the good times, but uh, in the challenges as well. So um, I'm, uh, it's, it's awesome. Amazing. I talked to a guy named Vince Pacente. He competed in the Olympics and I talked to him this morning on the podcast and he was in skiing and he was a recreational skier. And then four years later, he was in the Olympics and he hit the buzzsaw, so to speak in 2008 was his year and mm -hmm. financial turmoil when all the 2008 stuff hit and he decided to, you know, give up control and just kind of say, okay, your plan is the plan. And he talked about how your, you know, one part of your brain can only think 2000, whatever it is, frames per second, bit, whatever mm -hmm. it is, right? 2000. The other piece, I always thought it was 4 million bits per second or whatever the thinking is. It's 4 billion. He goes, no, no, it's with a B. And so wow. if you think of that, what you were trying to do with the 2000 bits per minute, per minute right. is like, trying to control this thing. And he, he wrote a book called The Ant and the Elephant. And he goes, it's like trying to have this little ant on the back of an elephant drive the elephant. Well, you got to let the elephant drive. And the unconscious mind, when you can tap into it, you know, and I think that's what Eastern medicine and a lot of these other cultures that, um, you know, America has kind of uh, moved us away from all of those kinds of connections mm -hmm. to, to the creator over time, as I've started to see over the last couple of years. Um, when you tap into that, man, it's, it's fun. And same thing happened with me. Believe me, March, 2019, 200,000 in sales down to 20. And I'm like, Holy cow, how am I going to pay people on my payroll? What's going on? And now the last two years, it's just hand over the reins. And we're in talks with some companies that are some pretty big and interesting partnerships. And it's because I'm like, I don't care. I'm just trying to help. And I want to do mm -hmm. good for the world. And ever since I opened the nonprofit and it's just everything's becoming so smooth and painless <laughs> just yeah that's beautiful yeah so that's what's cool about the three thousand people you've helped and i'm sure you see this i've only had 70 or so of these conversations i can only imagine three thousand of these over the last several years like home run man you're in the you're in the lane yeah i mean you know ultimately a, a nonprofit is, is it's a business entity, right? The product is different. It's not a tangible product, um, but there still has to be, you know, a revenue model. There has to be people to do things. There has to be some systems. And what's been great about that is, I mean, first of all, I still love to do, you know, sales calls or strategy sessions, whatever you want to call those free sessions that you, you help somebody develop their idea a little bit and, and say, you know, that this sounds viable or, you know, you need a little bit more work, go here, let me send you a resource. But what's really cool is in this business, uh, we, we get like our customers are literally the best people in the world. Now, a lot of them have a heart and don't have the business skills. Well, we can teach that. We can help them with that. You can't teach someone to have a heart. So when I've done over 3,000, probably 4,000 sales calls, business calls, development calls, whatever you want to call them, with people who are led by their heart and led by the change that they see, the vision that they see, that was like the first level of, of aha, like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, I'm really blessed to be able to do this. Well, then I realized my real stealth mission of this company, now don't tell anyone, um, but the stealth mission of this company is to use that relationship to help people realize their greatness. Because if someone realizes the power that, that is created inside of all of us 
and really is able to actualize that. They can help 5,000 kids in Haiti and not 50, or they can lead a movement where their idea might get propagated all over the world because it's got a great organic model. And they can see themselves doing that rather than seeing themselves as small and limited. And so our, our, our stealth mission has really helped, again, transform that company from the inside out because I had this company prior to my personal transformation. But everything that we do in life is a mirror to our inner life, right? And so it was a mess. I created a company. I didn't even like to go to work. And I didn't, it was just, I was like, what, what have I wrought here? Because uh, I was, this was supposed to be this great thing. And now it seems like a burden. And when you shift like that on the inside, uh, I, I took three years, three of the last years while still serving customers and reordered the secretest, most quiet, mundane parts of the business from the books to the fulfillment processes, the technology and everything. We rebranded in mid-19 from Yippie Kaye, which is a great attitude, but it's a hard URL to spell, to instant nonprofit. And then we outwardly did the brand change and, and, um, and started, you know, kind of the new identity. But all of those things that we sort of did in secret now can be known, uh, you know, in front of the world. And it's helped us create a scalable company. And isn't that funny that I was unscalable, I was unsustainable operating the way I used to. And the business transformed right along with me. And now I love, I have a dream team. I love coming to work and I love everything we're doing. And we are ready to really grow ever more to be somebody who, you know, a company that serves this niche at a level that nobody else does or can because we have sort of reborn, been reborn from the inside out and uh, brought just a beautiful amount of integrity and flow. You were talking about that flow state and flow is being studied now, right? I was just on a, a webcast that Stephen Kotler did and his whole life is writing books about flow states of, of extreme, uh, extreme uh, athletes and entrepreneurs and Navy SEALs. And I think, I believe that being in that flow state and where time just evaporates and you don't even know where you are and you're just in this blissful, uh, state, uh, that's where you know that you are being that person that God created you to be because it's just so beautiful. You could just operate there forever. Yeah, man. I love these conversations. Another person I talked to again today. So I've had four conversations today. Juan Lee. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I do about four or five a day these days. So Juan Lee is on the East coast. He wrote a book on love. And he, up until age 37, which is when his mom died, his mom was 37 when she died and he was six. So at the time it was wow. really tough, but she now has a statue of herself in Maryland. And like, so he's just a really cool cat. And he said at age 37, he realized he had a learning disability. And, but he was like, so, you know, that I didn't know it my whole life till I was 37. But then he, he now realizes that he's really strong in these other areas. He's like, when I combine, if I have Chad and Christian in my court, if we combine all of us into the whole, then I don't have any weaknesses. What are you talking about? Because I can call anyone I want and I can fill those areas in. It's like, no, God created me perfect. Like mm -hmm. he doesn't call it. I, Cause I kind of made the statement. I'm like, yeah, if you're a 10 here and you're a one there, he goes, no, 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 no. Let me stop you. And I was like, wait, he goes, no. I'm not a one in anything. I'm perfectly created. And I was like, that's, that's exactly right. You know, we all have the ability to 
tap into each other. And it's kind of our responsibility to share that strength. And when you realize where people have the weakness, it's like, okay, let's, let's join forces. We can help. So I'm very passionate. Yeah, absolutely. That's that flow state and being able to know who to call, when to take action, when not to take action. And, um, you know, you mentioned the, the church and, and sort of our, our roles in, in how we apply our faith and the mystery, right? The Eastern religion. And I, I, I do think I was a history and poli sci major. So I, I just geek out on this stuff a little bit. I think we lost some things in the schism between the East Orthodox and the Western church. Uh, they kept some of that mystery. They didn't make everything so little and materialist, right? And we're a sort of a, an enlightenment um, influence society. Everything is very literal. It's what J Dr. Joe Dispenza would call the, the weight of the particle when you know, the photon is particle and wave, right? And so we have to appreciate the wave and that's that mysterious quality that, that God has and that he's imbued in each of us that we can't forget, right? It's not about figuring things out every time. Uh, it's about going inside and intuiting by connecting to him and connecting to, you know, sort of the oneness that has been created in all of us. And yeah. uh, I'm really into that stuff. And, and I, I think it's, uh, it's something that I'd love to, you know, bring to the world on a greater scale, but I can't do that if I don't live it. So tell me the word quantum I've heard several times, and I don't know if I actually have a definition around quantum, right? And it, I, I believe it's that 4 billion things that, you know, you get into this different lane and different, uh, what do you call it? Frequency. Um, mm -hmm. 501c3, you call it the quantum entity. What does that mean? Does that relate to quantum uh, you know, what we're talking about with quantum physics? It does. It does. I love quantum physics, quantum mechanics. It's really the final frontier. You know, they've, they've called the, uh, the things like the God particle, right? What, what is that mysterious energy? What is all this stuff really made of? Because there's not really anything that wall really isn't made of anything. When they examine it, the particles can't even be weighed. They don't know why there's atoms they found the atoms don't just spin around the nucleus. They literally, the electrons pop in and out of existence in different places around the atom. So Einstein knew this and he died with that question on his mind, right? What is beyond Einsteinian? What is beyond re relativity and Einsteinian law? And that's the quantum world, right? The smallest nanoparticle, the tiniest thing that makes this universe what it is, is such a mystery and I don't know that we'll ever crack that, but what they're finding is when they apply these theories in quantum mechanics, quantum physics, um, there's things like superposition where something can occupy two different states or two, two different spaces at the same time. Um, and so I call the nonprofit the quantum entity because uh, we're all in business, right? We're all, we're all trying to connect on, on these different uh, frequencies, if you will, these different topics of interest, right? We're right here today because someone on your team reached out to me uh, about doing an event. And ultimately I, I looked you up, I see scale, uh, scale X and I'm like, okay, this guy's really interesting. But what drew me to you is what makes a nonprofit the quantum entity. And that's that you and I vibe on some things we've never even met, but we vibe on some things that I knew we would get along that are not related to a transactional thing or a business thing. And that's why I call the nonprofit the quantum entity is because if you connect with somebody at a heart level, at an intentional uh, purpose-driven level, 
you can transcend all of those linear constraints that are that are uh, we experience in business. And so I'm, I'm writing a book called uh, Nonprofit, The Quantum Entity, How to Superposition Your Life, Your Legacy, and Your Future Through a Nonprofit. And you can literally uh, leap into completely different worlds through intention, through cause, through nonprofits. Uh, and, and I always give the example, if I wanted to meet Tim Ferriss or I wanted to meet Warren Buffett, I wouldn't go try to pitch them at a business event. They have multiple layers of gatekeepers for that. And they're, you know, my ideas, I mean, they get thousands of the best ideas in the world. What I would do is I would go to a nonprofit event where our hearts are going to be on the same, same wavelength about something we care about. And I would instantly get that coffee. Uh, I could also orient my family, right? My family isn't, they don't just want to mow the lawn and do the chores so they can get the allowance or borrow the car. They want to be excited about something. So if I introduce them to a cause, right? Hey, I'm, I want to rescue this dog and give it a foster home and then maybe find a home for it. Boy, are they so into that, right? So uh, that's, that's where this theory comes in, right? That the nonprofit is the quantum entity because it can help you occupy a completely different realm than you otherwise could through normal transactional life. And don't, aren't we all look, looking for that nowadays to get out of that transactional life and look for more meaning in everything we do? Yeah. Holy cow. Well, see, I used to skateboard. Uh, in fact, at my parents' house in a nice neighborhood, I had a very tall mohawk in a nice, nice <laughs> neighborhood in Colorado, nose ring, three earrings. And they let me do it. They're like, hey, this totally. is just Chad. And, I, and most parents would be like, no, you can't do that. Well, they let me go far out of bounds. And it, <laughs> it, it allowed me to become the person and realize who I am, right? It's like corporate yeah, rebel yeah. kind of thing. So I, I re remember even skateboarding up the wall on there, you know, and I'm completely sideways. I jump three trash cans and really neat stuff. <laughs> so getting connected on that level. The other, the other thing I would share, Craig Kleeman is self-proclaimed world's greatest cold caller. And I really believe that he is. Um, he's a friend of mine. He knows Bono and you too personally because he used exactly what you just described. So he was in Amsterdam. He's sitting down at the table with his brother. His brothers and his brother is a partier too. They both kind of are. And um, and the brother goes, "Hey man, you claim you're the best cold caller in the world. There's Bono. Get a meeting with him." So all these people <laughs> come up and they're like, "Hey Bono, I love your music." Right. And all this Give crap. me a selfie, you know. Yeah. And this Pacific Islander was standing there with his arm crossed and gatekeeper beyond all gatekeepers. And Craig's like, I'm not going to play your stupid game. No. So finally he goes, come on, Craig, you got to do it. So he goes, okay. He stands up, he takes his wine glass, he catches Bono's eye and he goes, Hey Bono, I'd like to raise my glass to you for the work you do with the people of Africa. And, and he used this term. I don't remember precisely how, but the word salt of the earth was somehow in there. And only if you know Bono to a deep level right. would you know that he does that he does it like that. So Bono raises the glass 20 feet away, and then they both sit down. So he's like, hey man, dude. and he the bet was I'll pay for your whole weekend of <laughs> you know, food, drink, hotel. And the brother goes, You didn't get the meeting, dude. No, I'm not paying for your weekend. Well, then Bono's Pacific Island friend comes over and goes, Bono would like to have dinner with you too. Oh man. And they spent the awesome. whole night there for hours. And now Bono flies him around the country and the world at one concert per year and gives him backstage pass. And Craig gets to meet him every time. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I love <laughs> that you came up with the application right off the bat. Yeah. That's and cool. look at this. This, these, 
are actual Bono glasses that Craig Oh, gave. get out. Yeah. Oh, dude, that is fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah, man. So, no, I knew, we'd, I knew we'd hit it off on this call. Uh, we're very new and nonprofit, so I definitely think we need to continue the dialogue after the podcast. We could be number 3001 or 4001 or, or whatever it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, amazing conversation. One last question for you before we go, and we've already touched on it, but I always like to get the variation uh, around faith. To me, I took a I took an online app, and it's called OnPurpose.me. And I've always wondered what my purpose was, right? And this app puts these two phrases together until you finally, it's like a, you know, 64, and then you get to the elite 16, and then the eight, but you don't know, right. doing one at a time. I got to yep. the last two words, and it was embracing grace. Not embrace grace, but embracing. So it's like an active word. And it's like when you can know that, hey, God put me here. I'm actually a person that can eat, drink, talk, and smell. I've got a lot of neat skill sets. I meet a lot of neat people. And you can come from that level of power. That's like my thing of, okay, I need other people to understand that they should embrace grace. Like you're here too, just like me. It's awesome, isn't it? So what, what role does faith play in your journey? I mean... It really is everything. And what's funny is I've, I've even let go of, and, and I know letting go, it'll, it'll come back to me like a, a, you know, an incredible, I don't even want to say boomerang. It'll come back to me, you know, running over, right. Multiplied um, is, is even the, the term faith. What does that mean? Does that mean my belief? Does that mean my actions? Um, but uh, if I were to pick two words like that, it would be actualizing joy, right? Because that is a, that's for me. I need to actualize. I, I get to actualize joy in every moment um, for myself. And also actualize can be, you know, how do you bring this about for others, create that space, hold that space for others and help them see uh, in the same way. And it really is me walking around every single day, every single minute, every podcast or uh, walking outside in the sun. I take my shirt off. I get some vitamin D down here in uh, Denver Tech Center several times a day in between work sessions and just I'm overcome by joy. I'm overcome by beauty and living in that space where you're not going at the end of the day, gee, you know, what, what was today all about? I, I can't even remember. I was, I was doing the spreadsheets and I was doing all the stuff, but being able to just come back into that moment and go, wow, how amazing it really all is right now. And to be able to do, come back to that place often to me, that is faith. Man, yeah, that's great. There's a there's a new nonprofit called Joyly. They're moving to the Denver Tech Center. Oh, uh, really? And and yeah, you should meet them. Uh, I in fact, my episode comes out any day. You sit in the chair of joy. It's about eight feet tall, gold <laughs> embossment on the edge. You know, white cloth and your or maybe leather. And her exercise she takes you through. There's a there's a, a psychologist that's part of it. So it's not just a made up you know thing, but it's real. And it's, they call it stacking joy. Like, okay, think of something that was really, really joyful for you. Well, having my daughter and my son, got it. The day I got married, got it. If you take one minute, three times a day and just sat in your chair and took in a breath and thought, man, that day when my daughter was born was such an, and she goes to college tomorrow. So that's why that one's top of mind, you know, and you just, 
you bring joy right in and you know all the other junk is like hey leave that outside my door <laughs> but and what happens i believe is your 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 body is your is a guide right it, it it you you take in these experiences and you can hold on to you can make yourself sick with negative experiences and reliving those and the research is showing uh through neuroscience and all kinds of amazing things they're studying now that by remembering that moment and remembering and, and actually feeling that feeling that can be transmuted into other areas of life so that things that have not transpired yet and i think we're encouraged to do this in the bible things that have not transpired yet you can experience that feeling related to that future event which is simply an in eventuality in that quantum future right because all eventualities are present in the quantum future and you place yourself there and then your body and your spirit, your psyche and God all align to bring you that feeling in the future. And so if what you want is good and what you want is pure and, and lovely and all of those things, and you're able to uh, embody that feeling and associate it with that, that desire of yours, if it's a good desire, I believe that that is how uh, we, we can you know, manifest things that aren't to be yet. And um, you know, I dream of speaking from some stages from some influencers and talking about this message. And I, a few times a day, I sit down, I close my eyes and I imagine hearing back from that crowd, that energy and that love and joy. And I think that's going to help me to get there way faster than going, oh my gosh, you know, I better finish that spreadsheet. Yeah, that's right. Well, when you talked about the, your faith definition and and just kind of even giving that one up, there was this, there's a quote, I, I think I found it. It's, uh, I'm not good at memorizing verses, so I need to work on that. I think it's second Peter. Uh, so dear brothers, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen, and then you will never stumble or fall away. God will open wide the gates of heaven. Uh, and there's another one. It's not that one. It's similar to that. And it talked about opening, like it, it's talked about tithing. And I always thought of tithing as 10%. Well, that's because that's what I was educated on. To mm -hmm. me, the 10% is not necessarily cash. It could be 10% of your time, right? Time, talents, possessions. So it's forming a nonprofit. It's putting in. He's like, I don't need, I don't need 50%. And now I'm in 70% because I have to be, because I didn't do the 10% my whole life. So I'm making it up on the back end <laughs> with interest. But, um, but if you just do 10%, it says, I will open the floodgates of heaven. And you're like, and it, and it says, there, depending on the translation, one says, tempt me on this, but God would never say tempt me. And so the real word is prove me on this. Mm -hmm. It's like, go ahead, tempt me or go ahead just prove it, right? Give time, give 10% of your time. And when you know you're in the extra innings above 10, you're like, all right, God, I'm following. And I can tell you beyond a reasonable doubt, I've been in that state for maybe 18, 20 months. Whew, look out world, <laughs> the head, the floodgates of heaven are coming, man. No yeah. doubt about it. So tempt them. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. And uh, I, I think that's, that's where I'm at now. And um, things are really opening up. We have some awesome things coming up and partners coming out of the woodwork. I haven't had time to, to do the outreach that I'd like to. And my phone rings and it's like the CEO of other companies going, we get people who need your services and we keep hearing good things. And so we want to send all our business to you. Or recently yeah. we've been sending business to your competitor and, and we really just feel like 
you're the company that we want to send our customers to. And, you know, I just sit back and get to receive that. Right. And uh, it's just wonderful. So it's the same exact concept. It's the same exact concept, man. If you listen to this podcast today, you've heard a lot. And I hope some of it touched your heart because it's not, we're not making this stuff up, right? I have a shirt. You can't make this stuff up with a different word than stuff. And it, and you can't, I mean, you just, if you just try it, right. And we just launched 77 Prey, the app two weeks ago, there's 65 subscribers. It went from 15. Now it's 65 in two weeks. Awesome. It, we think it's going to go viral. And when you talk to God in the morning and then you talk to God at night, even if it's a one minute thing, Hey God, I mean, help me tap into my 4 billion frames per second. How do I, you know, lead me. And when you just ask that simple question and you allow it to tap into that other part of your brain, just try that for 20 days, 50 days in a row or 77 is better, <laughs> but it's true. The, the conscious mind is just that tip of the iceberg. The massive power of, of our, our, abilities lies in the subconscious. And that is why he says, and this is the problem in the in Western life and, and even in the Western church and sort of that literal paradigm I was talking about, that materialist paradigm is, uh, you know, th that you have to be still in order to know what he can do and, and what all of this is all about. And there's so much noise. And you've probably seen the movie, The Social Network, you know, 55 engineers in Silicon Valley are engineering the distraction of 2 billion people. Why? Right. Because it's the, it's the biggest currency in the world. And so if we can just take down that noise, get out of beta, get into theta and, and get it, get your brain waves down is what I'm talking about. Stop trying to figure everything out all the time and allow that quiet space. And that is where the power comes in and just blows your mind. Wow. Amazing conversation. We've been talking with Christian LaFerre with instantnonprofit.com. And um, I, I'm definitely customer 3001. And man, I think everybody should do business with you if they're trying to start a nonprofit. So what, a, what an awesome conversation. Christian, thank you for joining today. Thank you. Can't wait to see you again. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining the Living Better Story podcast. We'll Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. <laughs>